Hey, this is Josh Herrera, and I'm the pastor of Lighthouse Church North County, and this is our podcast. Wherever you are and however you are listening, I want to say thank you for tuning in to what we are teaching at Lighthouse. Our desire is that these messages would help you to fulfill your God-given potential. If this message impacts you, share it with someone you know. We are on this journey together, becoming more like Jesus, one day and one step at a time. Now here's today's message. We hope it blesses you. As we get into our sermon, but first turn with me to the book of Luke, chapter 8, and we are going to start at the 22nd verse. At the 22nd verse. Reads as follows. One day Jesus said to his disciples, let's cross over to the other side of the lake. So they got into a boat and started out. On the way, Jesus lay down for a nap. Come on, how many of you love a good nap on a Sunday? And while he was sleeping, the wind began to rise. A fierce storm developed that threatened to swamp them. And they were in real danger. The disciples woke him up shouting, Master, Master, we're going to drown. So Jesus rebuked the wind and the raging waves. The storm stopped and all was calm. Go with me now to verse 26 of that same chapter. So they arrived in the land of the Gerasenes across the lake from Galilee. As Jesus was climbing out of the boat, a man who was possessed by demons came out to meet him. Homeless and naked, he had lived in a cemetery for a long time. As soon as he saw Jesus, he shrieked and fell to the ground before him, screaming, Why are you bothering me, Jesus, son of the Most High God? Please, I beg you, do not torture me. Now, I got one more passage that I want to read from. Actually, a few more scriptures. Um, Go down to verse 37, two verses here. Verse 37 of the same chapter. And all the people in that region begged Jesus to go away and leave them alone, for a great wave of fear swept over them. So Jesus returned to the boat and left, crossing back to the other side of the lake. For the next few moments, I want to preach to you on this thought, layers of love. Layers of love. Let's pray together. Father, we are so thankful for the opportunity to one more time turn to your word in the midst of everything that is going on. The one thing that has not changed is your word. Your word, Lord God, has stood the test of time, and in it we find our lifeline, Father. We find principles that can help us navigate the toughest of storms. So once again, Lord God, we lean into what you have to say. Father, right now I pray for open hearts, open minds, and that our spirits, God, would be receptive to what your spirit is saying to the churches. We ask all this in your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Come on, let's talk about layers of love. How many of you enjoy watching a good movie? Come on, how many of you love good movies? Those of you that are watching from home. The type of movies that I love, I love the type of movies where everything comes together at the end. It's one of those movies where you think you've got it figured out, but once you get to the very end of the movie, you're like, wow, mind blown. You know, that emoji with the mind blown, you know, it's like one of those things that leaves you like, I did not see that coming. And a real good movie, once you've seen the ending, it'll make you want to go back and watch the movie again. Because having seen the ending, it's going to shape your context and you're going to watch that movie over and over again now with this new information and it's going to come to life in a totally new way. You know, there's actually a term for that where people will watch a movie multiple times and, and, and they'll do that to see things that they've never seen because of a perspective that they gained at the very end of the movie and it's called layering. 
It's called layering. Now, now I, I want to say that because there's some layering to the story that I want to point you to. There's some layering that is happening here in the scriptures because here's the thing. Many times I've read these two stories as separate accounts. I've read them as separate accounts and different miracles that Jesus performed. As a matter of fact, in my Bible and maybe in your Bible at home, they are under different section headers. So the first section header of the first miracle that I read says Jesus calms the storm. And then when you get to the next passages of scripture that I read, it says Jesus heals the demon possessed man. Now here's now as helpful as those headers can be, sometimes they are detrimental to studying the scripture because the actual manuscripts don't actually have headers. Headers are something that was inserted much later. They were a way of helping you to break up the text. But if you really wanted to, to, to have some fun with your Bible, get a pen and cross out every section header so that you could read the Bible the way that the writers wrote the Bible. Because what you're going to find out through these two stories is they are connected. It's not two separate miracles, but it's one story with Jesus doing two demonstrative miracles. Let me take you into the text. When we catch up to Jesus, he's sitting around, and all of a sudden, the Bible doesn't give us a whole lot of leading. It just says, Jesus says to his disciples, let's go to the other side of the lake. Now, what the disciples do not know, and what Jesus knows, is that there is a, there is a reason for him to go to the other side of the lake. In his humanity, they may think Jesus just wants to go for a sale. But, but what you need to know about Jesus is that the fullness of the Godhead dwelt in him bodily. So he wasn't just a prophet and he wasn't just a rabbi. He was all of God wrapped into that flesh, that person that we call Jesus. So in his humanity... It appeared like when Jesus told his disciples, let's go to the other side of the lake. They didn't know what Jesus knew. And so they got on the boat and they went out and they began to sail into the other side of the lake. But here's what happens. Once they were in the boat, a huge storm arised. A huge storm arised. Now, here's my first point that I want to make. And for those of you that are taking notes, write this down. And if you're not taking notes at home, that's okay. You can write this down anyway. Anytime you are on mission to do God's will... You can expect opposition. Let me say that again. Anytime you are on mission to do God's will, you can expect opposition. Here's the thing. If you want to go through life and make everybody happy, here's what you got to do. Sell ice cream. Because the, because the truth of the matter is, is that when you do the will of the Father, you will have opposition. Jesus said it this way. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. For I have overcome the world. Jesus let us know you're going to have opposition. When they got in the boat and as they headed off to the other side, there was opposition. How many of you can relate to this at home? How many of you, when you decide to get your act together, new year, new me, my best self, it seems like anytime you're trying to start a diet program, that's when the coworkers want to bring in the donuts. 
And in this case, since you're working from home, your coworker is your husband. And you're like, get these donuts away from me. I've been suffering through the quarantine 15, and I don't need to gain any more weight. Isn't it like that? Anytime you try to get your stuff together, it seems like opposition comes from all kinds of sides. And you know, this is the same thing in church. And this is the same thing with the Christian journey. I have counseled so many people who are just getting started in the Christian faith. I've told them, listen, it's going to get harder before it gets easier. It's going to get harder before it gets easier. You're new to the faith and you're thinking everyone's going to like me. You post pictures of your conversion. You post pictures of your baptism. You write this long script on Instagram and you're not going to get as many likes as you thought you were going to get. And you're you're depressed because you thought I thought I was going to get some more fire emojis than that. I thought I was going to get more wave emojis than that. But sometimes you have got to move forward even when it's uncomfortable. You have got to move forward even when it is uncomfortable. Now, now let, me, let me explain it to you this way. If Jesus, the Son of God himself, experienced opposition while he was doing the will of the Father, please don't think you're going to get a pass. Please don't think you're not going to suffer the same things that the Son of God himself had to go through. And think about this for a second. Jesus was on a mission to set a man free. Like I said, these two stories, they are connected. So Jesus gets on a boat. Now the disciples don't know what he's about to do. When he said, let's go to the other side of the lake because he's God Almighty, he knows what's waiting on the other side of that lake. His disciples don't know. So Jesus is on a mission to set this man free. Can I tell you that this wave was no coincidence? Can I tell you that this storm was no coincidence? This wave and this storm was designed to put fear in the hearts of Jesus and to put fear in the hearts of his disciples. Because as I said earlier, anytime you are doing the will of the Father, you can expect opposition. Now here's the second thing that I want to note from the story. Where do we find Jesus? Resting. I love that. The Bible says that Jesus got so comfortable on this boat that he decided to take a nap. Someone type resting into the comment section. Some of you don't take a nap in the middle of the sermon, okay? We're talking about naps. We're not taking naps. Now, now what we find is that Jesus is resting in the middle of a storm, not because he doesn't care, but because he is doing the will of his Father. I'm going to say that one more time. Jesus is resting in the middle of the storm, not because he does not care, but because he knows that he is doing the will of the Father. My take home for you is you can rest when you know that you're on mission. You can rest when you know that you are on mission. You, you know, the word rest has kind of fallen on hard times, hasn't it? Because it's become so hip and so influencer to say, I am grinding. I am on the grind. I am team no sleep. I am team no days off. And by the way, if you ever have to say that, it's probably because you are taking days off. It's one of those things where it's like, if you're having to tell someone, I take no days off. It's probably because you're trying to get people to believe that you don't. But the reality is they can tell whether or not you're on your grind. Anyway, anyway, I'm, I'm off my soapbox. Here's the point. Here's the point. Jesus was able to rest 
because he knew that he was on mission and he knew that there was work to do on the other side of the lake. Someone type into the comments section on the other side, on the other side. And here's the truth that I want you to get deep down on the inside of your spirits. Oftentimes we don't see God do things in our life because we never enter into a posture of rest. We never enter into a posture of rest. We spend so much of our time striving that we never give God the space to do the impossible. Think about that for a second. Sometimes I wonder if everyone that is on their grind, sometimes I wonder about everyone that is team no sleep and, and you're, you're trying to do it all on your own effort and you're trying to strive and you're, you're trying to do it through your own works and God's like, would you pass me the ball? Come on, how many of you watched that Jordan documentary. Come on, how many watched The Last Dance? How many remember what Jordan was like before Phil Jackson got there and said, hey, you need to learn to pass the ball? Sometimes us in Christianity, can I make an application from all of that? Sometimes us in Christianity never put the ball into God's hands. We are so busy striving. We are so busy trying to do it on our own merits. We are so busy trying to grind and grind and grind and grind. And even God Almighty on creation had a Sabbath day. You need to learn to rest. And what Jesus did in this moment was he rested. You see, God wants to work on our behalf, and God wants to open up doors. God wants to do the impossible, and God wants to do the improbable. But what it takes for us to do is to get out of our own way. We have got to get out of our own way so that God can start to do the things that we cannot do. And here's the deal. And even if a storm arises, you are still better off resting so that you can witness the God who can do the impossible start to do the impossible start to do the impossible now now let me move quickly to where these two events collide because as I said I, I, I don't see two stories here I see one story so when these two events collide you can see how the ending of the story affects really the beginning of the story because the Bible says this when when Jesus finally got to the Gerizines, as soon as he stepped off the boat, the Bible says, as soon as his foot stepped into the water, a man came running to Jesus and said, why are you bothering me, Jesus, son of the most high God? Please, I beg you, don't torture me. Please, I beg you, don't torture me. Jesus has just stepped foot onto the beach and this is why the storm in the sea is connected to the demon-possessed man. Because this man had not yet even seen Jesus. And yet this man knew that Jesus was near. This is why the storm is connected to the bondage of this man. This is why these two events are connected. I believe that when Jesus rebuked the wind and when Jesus calmed the raging seas in the supernatural realm, it sent shockwaves that reached this man in the Gerizines. And he knew someone was coming, someone who had authority and someone who had power. And so the minute that Jesus got there, Jesus hadn't even performed any miracles. This man comes running to him. Jesus, his feet are wet on the beach. And this man says, Jesus, why have you come to torture me? He hasn't done a thing yet. He hasn't even done anything. So the Bible says that Jesus converses with this man. He delivers him from the demons that possessed him. And then here, here's here's. The mic drop moment for a second, okay? Here's the mic drop moment. So Jesus delivers this man. And what does he do next? He turns around his disciples and he says, let's go back. 
Let's go back. I, I think that is just the most amazing detail in this story because they probably thought when Jesus said, let's go to the other side, that they were going to get to the other side and Jesus was going to not only deliver this man, but he was going to go find someone else to heal and he was going to go into the synagogue and maybe teach someone and, and maybe he would, he would feed some people like he did. Maybe he had more miracles, but no, 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 get this. When Jesus told his disciples at the very beginning of our story, when he says, let's go to the other side, he went all the way to the other side, endured the story just to see about that one man and after he delivered that man he turns around and says let's go home let's go home and I'm going to close right there but let me talk about that for a moment as I close that day when Jesus told his disciples let's go to the other side this is what I believe he saw and I want to talk for a moment into what we are experiencing together as a nation when Jesus said, let's go to the other side, here's what he saw. He saw a man who was homeless, the Bible says. He saw a man who was naked. He saw a man who lived in a cemetery for a long time. The Bible says that this was a person that every time that they tried to contain him, they put him in shackles. And the last little detail, if this man wasn't found in the cemetery, the Bible said he'd go run off to the wilderness. Get, get those descriptions for a second. He went all the way to the other side of the lake, enduring a storm to go see about a man who was homeless, to go see about a man who lived in a cemetery, to go see about a man who was um, oftentimes put in shackles, and to go see about a man who lived in the wilderness. But get this. This is the man that Jesus came for. This is the man that Jesus came for. How many times have you and I, and I am guilty of it too, looked away when we saw a homeless person on the street? How many times have we looked the other way when we saw someone who looked like they were out of their mind? How many times have we looked away from someone who, though it may not be literal shackles, maybe they were suffering some type of shackles, some sort of injustice? Or dare I say, how many times did we reject someone because they had a rap sheet? How many times did we turn our back on someone because they didn't fit the mold that we thought that they should fit. How many times have we turned our back on someone because of their condition? But do you want to know what I see Jesus doing? He gets on a boat. He sails through a storm, gets right where that man is, and he sets that man free. And not only free, he delivers him from everything that had him bound. Let's say that again. He delivered him from everything that had that man bound. As a matter of fact, the Bible says that when they came and they saw this man, when the crowd began to gather around, you know what they saw this man doing? Number one, clothed. <laughs> and number two, sane. Where did the clothes come from? Remember, this is a demon-possessed naked man who would run around in the wilderness and run around in the cemeteries. Where did the clothes come from? I think, you can, I think you can deduce from the text that Jesus was not just there to do the supernatural, but Jesus was also there to do the physical. And I think it's both. 
I think it is both. What a picture of love that we have here. Because sometimes we got the church that wants to be all about the supernatural and does nothing in the natural. And sometimes we got churches that want to do everything in the natural and do nothing in the supernatural. But what Jesus did is he, deli he delivered this demon-possessed man. And because this man was naked and out of his mind, he healed his mind and he put some clothes on him. You want, I want to put some language on this. Jesus was naturally spiritual and spiritually natural. Yeah, you, you can be spiritual and not be weird. You can be supernatural and not be spooky. And that's what I believe Jesus was. He didn't just come and deliver him, but he delivered him. And then he made sure that this homeless man had clothes on his back. He made sure this man that ran around the cemetery was right in his mind. And this is such a beautiful picture of love. As I said at the beginning of the sermon, this is a sermon that I've called Layers of Love. Anytime you've got a story with multiple layers in cinematography, they call it layering. I want you to go back and read this now, knowing the ending from the beginning, and know that God was so in love with this man who was running around naked and out of his mind in a cemetery and in a wilderness, but he was still a son of God. He was still made in the image of God. He was still God's son here on this earth, and he did all of this out of love. And that's what we need now more than ever. We don't need to be judgmental. We don't need to be on opposing sides. We don't need to be on the right. We don't need to be on the left. The only thing you've got to do is align yourself with the kingdom of God and just love others. And just love others. I am so moved by the fact that Jesus would go through all of this for one man. Get that for a moment. One man, he didn't come to save a town. He came to save one man. For those of you that are watching right now, you might feel like you are that one person. Maybe you're feeling symptomatic of this person. Maybe you don't got that demon possession. Man, you know what it's like to be rejected. You know what it's like to feel alone. Or maybe somehow you're watching this and you are suffering through homelessness. Just know that God is for you. Just know that he loves you. Just know that he will go out of his way just for you. That's how much the Father loves you. And right now, I want to pray with you. So right there where you're at, can we just lean in for a moment? I just want to pray for you. And if that's you, if you need God to, to come in and do something spiritually, but also naturally in your life. Maybe you need a spiritual breakthrough, but you need a job. He can do both. Maybe you need a spiritual breakthrough, but you need peace in your home. He can do both. Maybe you need a spiritual breakthrough, but 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 you're you're defaulting on your mortgage payment. He can do both. He's spiritually natural and naturally spirited. Come on, let's pray. Father, right now we just begin to pray for every person that is watching. If this message has blessed your life, I want to encourage you to share this message with others or go online to our website and consider making a donation so that we can continue bringing you content just like today's message. God bless you.